Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And we have the fun and electrifying episode oh, for you guys there today. You see what I did there? Yep. This is our uh, basically our second episode on talking about kind of electric cars. And No, just, it's at least our third. We had two special episodes about the history of electric vehicles. And we did. And then we had Gilson in to kind of talk yep. us through some of it as well. Um, so, But that was to talk about the infrastructure. Okay. And today... We have on Michael from EV West, which right. is a company out in California. They make kits that bolt right into your 911 or your Beetle, or your bus or so whatever. He said but it best. They are an electric speed shop, I kinda, which I love that. I love that. And I didn't really understand. I still am struggling to understand how all these opponents <laughs> uh, work together. Yeah. So hopefully Michael will be able to help us um, figure that out and kind of explain a little bit about what they do. And I started looking into what it would cost to do this based on some of the pricing on their website. You right, because you, you can there. buy every component directly from them. It's it's basically a warehouse. Um, but before we do that, what have we got? That's right. Let's talk about our latest sponsor, Worth. So Worth is a family-owned global company that's been in operation since 1945. They offer high-quality, professional-grade shop supplies and tools with industry-leading customer service. They've also just launched their world-class hand tool line to the U.S. market. These are German-made tools with a lifetime warranty. So be sure to head over to WorthUSA.com to check out all of their products. So I feel like I would... If I was going to build an electric car, like a hot rod or something, I would still have to have the gasoline car. Because for okay. me, for me, this still feels a little bit like a like a novelty sure. almost, doesn't oh, it? Yeah, you I know, think, it doesn't yeah. seem quite real yet because it seems like everybody's still trying to figure it out. Right. Um, but EV West seems like they have their shit together. But I wanted to go on there and see what I could piece together, like for a kit and, and stuff like that. So I looked at um, a couple of different different things. And for the record, he basically told us, if you want to do this, call us so we can work through yeah, this with yeah, you. Yeah, they'll help you Because we're idiots, and this is basically Chris <laughs> doing math on the fly trying to figure this out. Right. We'll so see, what did you come up with? We'll see how it goes. So I looked at the... So they have a Tesla Model S starter package. Okay. Um, it includes the Tesla motor, inverter, gearbox, dash display, control unit, throttle pedal, all just basically everything you need for the electronics to put the thing in your car except for the batteries. Okay. Um, so the max current for these motors is 1,000 amps. The, ra the rated power is up to 400,000 kilowatts. No, I'm sorry, 400 kilowatts, which is 400,000 watts. watts. And that's basically 400 volts. Um, so as far as I know, most motors are measured in amp hour. I couldn't find that um, uh, that measurement on their site, so I had to look it up. An amp hour is... And that's basically, if you have electric motors, that's how I always knew electric motors were measured. It was in amp hours. Right. Like, if you look at my drill press on my workbench, it's going to be in in watt, watt hours, right? Uh, I'm not sure about your drill press. But when you, like, well, let's say you go to um, look at a Milwaukee drill or something sure. like that, or a DeWalt drill. It's measured like you have amp hours. Like, you have a two-amp hour battery, sure, five-amp hour battery. It's basically how many amps, how many it can do in an hour. So, if it's sure. a five-amp hour battery, it will last an hour at five amps. So amp amp hour motors are kind of the same. So you have like a 60 amp hour motor will draw 60 amps in an hour. So if you have a 60 amp hour battery, you put those together and basically it will run for an hour at 60 amps. So okay. to, to do a little bit of math here, uh, watt hours divided by volts is amp hour. So if we take um, the 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 Tesla Model S at full chat is a thousand amp hours for the motor. Wow. Okay. Um, that's 687 amp hours at minimum. 
So that's kind of that was the range that was listed on the website. Okay. So basically, to get that number, I did the watt hours, which is four hundred thousand kilowatt hours, and divided it by the volts of uh, four hundred, and that's how I came up with those numbers. Um, therefore, the batteries that we would need for that, and I looked at uh, Tesla batteries because that's uh, this kit is what did I say it was twelve thousand dollars. Okay. Okay. So it's twelve thousand. So that gets you the motor and all the electronics. Minus all the electronics the comes with a little screen that okay. tells you, you know, all the stuff you need to know. Like it's it's everything that you need. Like I think it's even, uh, yeah, the gas portal, brake switch, brake plug switch, encoder, plug-in pins, inverter, this, that, uh, two axles. These all the relays, stuff that. we don't understand. Yeah. All well, I know what a relay is. Right. Um, pre-charge <laughs> resistor, pre-charge relay, all this different type of things. So, but you had to have have to have batteries. For this yeah, as well so sure. uh, batteries come in all sizes but they seem to all be about i mean there's all kinds of configurations all kinds of different shapes but they all seem to be around um you know six to ten inches it's like a giant shoebox kind of okay in, in, in a way or like an apple like think of like an apple crate you know kind of like a it's like that type of size or maybe okay. a little bit smaller the tesla batteries are a little bit different in the way that they're um put together they're very Thin. Oh, so okay. They're, they're three inches by twelve inches by twenty six inches. Oh, wow. So they're really flat. Yeah, they're really flat and thin because they basically need to stack as many of them as they can into a car. Now, a lot of the batteries that you get aren't made for a car; they're just batteries, right? But these are form factored to basically be the which is know, why they're so thin. Which is why they're so thin because they want to be they're they're super flat. They go on the bottom of the car, and that's yep. why they're called skateboards. The right? Skateboard. Chassis. You think of like the Rivian or whatever. All the batteries are just basically the bottom part of the car. Right. Um, so. The problem with these things, though, is they're 55 pounds each. Wow. So they basically have tons of 3.4 amp-hour cells arranged in a configuration that leads to a capacity of 232 amp-hours total. So you'd have to buy three of these, essentially three 232 okay. amp-hour batteries to meet the motor's bottom range that's listed on the website of 687 amp-hours. So you need three of these batteries for the car to even last an hour at, like, minimum. Okay, so just driving. Wow. I don't know if okay. this is, I mean, obviously your driving habits, whether you've got heaters on, all this stuff, this is just the raw numbers, okay? Right. So this is basically all wrong. <laughs> I'm just talking well, about this. I wonder if there's I'm some sort of efficiency of multiplier in there too. You know what I mean? There has to be some sort of current loss across the controller and everything else. I don't know if that's super minimal. It's going to be very, very minimal. Obviously, it's electric, so it's, right. I mean, maybe heat it's not would like have drivetrain loss. No, it's, there's no friction with right. electricity. I guess there is probably friction with electricity. Yeah, that's resistance. You know, you got, there you go, exactly. But I think <laughs> um, the heat is going to be the biggest enemy of of this type Which of is why I didn't realize a lot of these setups come with their own cooling system. Yeah, because they get really, really hot. Right. That's when you're in a Tesla and you want to do the launch. You know, the ludicrous mode. You yeah. have to says batteries warming. It has to reach the optimal temperature for the batteries to be able to do it. So um, they configure these in a two P five S configuration. Okay, what does that mean? So two P five S means two batteries in parallel, five in series. Okay, so that's a total of ten batteries so this is right. kind of like for your collector car i don't know what tesla has i should have looked but i don't know oh so um, this is what ev west basically this is what they suggest gotcha um you can do either half this many or this many um a simple loop with all loads connected in a line is called a series circuit right okay that's basically i think that would be like light bulbs yep. would be in a like in your house that's series and two loops both connected to the battery each with its own load is called parallel so you need 10 of these batteries 
Let's do a little bit more math. This is the math <laughs> podcast, okay? That's the thing with all this stuff. You have to do math with watts and match things up. And yeah, you That's know, why it requires an electrical engineering degree to yes, work on a lot we, of this. Yes, and I started texting Matt Gilson, our engineer. Right. And I'm like, you know what? We're just going to have you on the podcast again and <laughs> talk about what you would do as an electrical engineer, what you would piece together. Sure. Show us what you would come up with. I think that would be fun. So 10 batteries. At 55 pounds, that's 550 pounds Oof. of batteries, um, 53,000 kilowatt hours total, or 2,200 amp hours. That makes for about 3.37 hours of power at the bottom end, uh, end of the motor spec range. Okay. And they cost $1,600 each. That's $16,000. So, wow. You are at almost, you're at $16,000 for the battery. 12000 for the other components. For the, uh, for, the, for the motors and all the other things that you need. You're almost at 30000 Without a car, mind you. This yeah. is just the drivetrain. Yeah, it just makes you wonder how much margin there are on these cars. I mean, this is a Model S, but even yeah, like a Model I'm 3. Sure I mean, you can buy different motors and different kits that require maybe less batteries. Yeah, or you could do different batteries, things like sure. that. I'm just trying to think of the thing that makes the most sense. because and I didn't check your math either, so I'm taking you at your word on this. I didn't check my math either, which is, <laughs> <laughs> which is the math teacher. I, you know, I never went past geometry. Yeah. Yeah. I just was like, okay. I, hate, I hate math. It's the I worst. I went Stay to pre calc and that was it. <laughs> okay. So uh, they also have kits that are just 100% bolt in. Okay. So you can get for, for your 911, yep. your air cooled 911, which is basically anything from 1964 to 1991 or whatever it is. Um, 98, if you're including all 993 chassis. I don't. Are those the, yeah, I guess that would be the same, wouldn't it? I guess you could bolt it into anything. I put this in a 993 would not be a great idea. No. Okay, so it's got 130 horsepower and 200 uh, torques. So it's kind of more along the lines of a. My like car. Your car. Yeah, but you don't have 200 foot nope, pound nope, feet of that torque. that would be a good improvement. Um, there's no battery included with so, this. So, okay, so again, you have to figure out your battery part. That's right. And I think this is around. Ten or eleven, twelve thousand dollars as well. Yep. So no battery, um, and the uh, the gas pedal is out of a Prius, <laughs> which, okay. which in my opinion should tell you everything you need to know. What does that tell you? It's kind of uh, you're putting the Prius pedal in the nine eleven. It just seems kind of it seems kind of ceremonial almost. Like you're just it's like you're bringing <laughs> your car to a funeral, and instead of giving it flowers, you're giving it a, a, a Prius, Prius gas, gas pedal. pedal. Um, so after mounting the kit, the only thing you need is a battery system. Uh, which is about it, and everything else just bolts in. Yeah, and uh, we'll get to it later in the episode here when he actually talked about this exact setup, what we could do to fit it in our 911s. And yeah. they actually, what's cool about this, you don't think of this, is you can kind of arrange the batteries in different parts of the chassis to get that ideal weight distribution, which they do. You could, but I don't really understand why you would do it. So one of the reasons why I... I wanted to talk to Michael and I want to talk to EV West is something that I kind of harp on about all the time is if you want to still be an enthusiast with motoring as time goes on, you're going to have to embrace this. You're going to either embrace this type of thing or you're going to not drive. And it's probably not going to be for quite some time, especially yeah. here in America. But if you're like a 16 year old, 17 year old kid that's driving around or whatever right now, 30, 40 years from now, when you're only 40, 50 years old, this is going to be the way. And obviously things are going to change a lot. You're going to start seeing, um, you know, this get easier, I think. I think it's going to become easier. And not cheaper, so for sure. And very much so cheaper. Because doing a $28,000 engine swap is wild when I think I could go to the junkyard and pull a motor out <laughs> at Upol, motor and transmission for $150. You know, Out of what? Anything. Every motor at, uh, uh, well, $300. It's $150 okay. for the engine, 
and I think either seventy five dollars for the engine, maybe prices have changed, but it's somewhere between one hundred and fifty <laughs> two hundred bucks. You walk away with an engine and transmission in your wheelbarrow. Okay, and you walk away, and then you've got an engine. We swap. have to go pull an LS for this truck. I got. Oh, that's a little harder. Have you ever seen the big blue towers that are at the junkyard? Have you ever pulled motors there? Yeah, it's big, once a long time. Big ago. crane. Yeah, it's you know, a it's a what do they call it? The uh, there's a term gantry. Is it a gantry? Something like that. Yeah, it's got a big you know yeah the crane come, come along thing. type yep. thing going on. Um, anyway, so it doesn't seem like it's anywhere near that cheap yet. Nope, definitely not. But I would think that it would be. At some point, I'm still concerned about battery degradation. At what point are these batteries just not going to be able to hold a charge anymore? And you are not going to be able to get batteries at the junkyard. They are going right. to be sold and recycled. You're yeah. that's one thing you're never going to get. Yeah. I mean, you might be able to buy like if you go to the auction and buy a Nissan Leaf that's been hit in the rear. You could probably buy that car and get everything you need, but you're never going to be able to. Isn't the motor in the rear on those? What hit in the front? We just hit somewhere. Whatever. <laughs> It's hit somewhere and it's got batteries got and motor though. and everything. Yeah. But I don't think you're going to be able to find them used secondhand because I think no. they're, they get recycled for yeah, the, for the most sense. part. You and, know what? Let's hear from the expert. Yeah, let's talk to Michael. He'll tell us everything we need to know. Um, we'll be right back. Michael from EV West, it's, uh, it's our pleasure to have you on the podcast, man. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. So tell us a little bit about what you guys do at the shop. Well, uh, in short, I think we're an electric speed shop, right? Uh, I like that. I haven't, I haven't heard that before. Yeah, that's a new term. I haven't heard that one. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you know, some people think electric car, and they think we're out to save the environment. And we're actually here to save the car. So, <laughs> uh, you know, we keep the them drivable and fun and uh, in a, you know, a forward-thinking fashion, I guess. Um but the long explanation is we take uh, electric drive components that are available uh, both through the aftermarket as new components and uh, used components from factory EVs. And we serve as the kind of engineering go-between to integrate these into the classic cars that we love so much. And it's you've been doing this for a long time. So this isn't like Johnny come uh, chump lately to the jump on the bandwagon, right? <laughs> I mean, you guys have been doing this no, for years. Well, I mean, you know, Porsche's first car, Dr. Ferdinand Porsche's first car was electric. So he, That's right. he diddled it way back when, uh, we've been in business for 10 years now. And, um, we've been the, the very first project that went through here was the 65 three gauge, uh, nine twelve. So, uh, you know, we're big fans of Porsche and we've been working on them for a long time and we kind of see the importance of, uh, you know, preserving them and converting them and doing kind of like a nerdy hobby, you know, that started out for us. That's kind of turned into this real fun thing. Um, but you know, to just really do it right from the get go. So when you guys do a car, what's kind of the process that you go through in terms of converting one of these, just, just in general, any car, what's the conversion process like? Well, you know, it's usually like any motor swap, right? Because that's really what we're doing. We're just doing a driveline swap. We're not changing the car, the look, or anything like that. So it, it there really is a fork in the road for most uh, car guys, right? Most customers, you're like, are we going to go stock? Are we going to preserve the factory gearbox and the look and the feel and everything? Or is this a resto mod? 
you know, because you have that going on too, right? There's guys, I mean, sure. uh, I got an email the other day. I couldn't believe it. Some guys are like, oh, I should do the coveted LS swap in my 911. <laughs> I just kind of <laughs> chuckled. I'm like, it just sounded so funny to me, you know? Uh, and, you know, these guys will go in and just hack out the whole, like, inner fender to put an oil cooler in there, you know? And then they'll walk by you and kind of sneer because you did something electric, even though you didn't alter anything. It was 100% reversible, you know? Mm. Um but, you know, that's cars. It's fun to each his own, right? <laughs> For sure. I mean, we all have our opinions. That's what makes it That's what makes yeah, it interesting, yeah. too. So pretend you're right. explaining this to a fifth grader, all right? So when you talk about how right. an EV propulsion system works, what are all the components right. and how do they all work together in concert, in concert to make the car go? Right. So the drive system is really what we call the big three, right? You have the battery. And it's going to have really two ratings that are important, a capacity rating and energy, like how far can it go, you know. And then it has actually a power rating in kilowatts of how uh, much energy it can put out at once. So that will kind of tell you the peak horsepower of the battery pack, right? So are we it talking like it's like the gas tank and the engine built into one thing? <laughs> you know, you have your You're power right, output. But the, in. Yeah, that's, that's good, but it's actually the gas tank with the fuel filter because fuel, I'm sorry, fuel pump because oh, fuel pumps okay. will actually have horsepower ratings on them, right? Mm-hmm. And it can only, there's a, there's a limit on how much gas it can deliver in the same way that battery packs have a limit on how many electrons or current that it can deliver. Right. So the second component is the motor controller, sometimes called the inverter, because it takes the direct current from the battery and inverts it into alternating current. And that will also have a voltage limit and a current limit. Uh, now, is there like a knob so, on all those? Like, can you just turn that up? Because yeah, it know. seems like that's what people are doing. They're kind of getting into Asking these controllers. The real questions. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, it's funny because in some instances, it's it's actually that easy. <laughs> in others, it's not. It really isn't. Uh, and, and we've done stuff like this in our car. We've done dyno contests. And they're like, oh, really? Is that what you got? You know, 620 foot pounds. And oh, hold on. You know, 10 seconds later on the laptop and they can run and it's 900 foot pounds. So uh, there's stuff like that that you can do for sure. And, uh, you know, the really the the factor of electric cars that really surprises people is you can get these huge peak outputs and it's really not damaging until you overheat the components. Right. Mm. So out of our big three, we did the first two. We did the battery, did the inverter. And then you have the motor. And the motor is interesting because motors will usually have ratings and people think that that's a, a, a limit. And they're really not. It's more of an electrical rating for an, for an hour at continuous uh, settings. And and what you can do with motors, you can overvolt them, you can overcurrent them, you know. And the same way that we basically use, you know, compressors these days, right? Turbos and, and superchargers and stuff like that. There's no real book on. The, so it's almost like the the knob gray. I'm talking about, where you add more voltage. Right? It's almost yeah. like the boost knob, where you just kind of don't <laughs> want to turn it up too far. Right, right. And for the most part, the motors are pretty simple. They're pretty straightforward induction. We have some reluctance and things coming in and some magnetic assist, but for the most part, they're pretty simple. And you what do you mean by magnetic assist? What, what does that mean? Well, some of the, so the, the motors uh, now are getting so advanced or having these algorithms. There's a, a motor called a reluctance motor that happens to be highly efficient. Um, we sell a form of it in the aftermarket. It's, it's the base motor in the Model 3 now, uh, the new Tesla. And it uh, it lacks a little bit low end current, so they actually do something called an internal permanent magnet assist, and they put magnets within the rotor, but actually on their edge. They're not surface magnets in the rotor, so they're just slightly there, and it uses that as a low end uh, assist. 
but they're not surface magnets, so they don't create inefficiencies through eddy currents that normal uh, brushless, you know, permanent magnet motors will have. So they're kind of taking these small aspects of certain uh, types of motors, uh, motor architecture, and putting it in, kind of blending them together and actually making hybrid motors within electric motors to get a motor that, that works well across, has really good low-end torque, but does really well what we, ha- what we tend to do in cars, which is just drone away at like 60 miles an hour for two hours. So right. uh, uh, so it's, it's fascinating, right? And, and you know, I got to tell you, man, when, when I got into this years ago, we were like, okay, we got these induction motors and the new Tesla Roadster, and we were just playing with models. Less motors, and I was like, "That's it, man! Induction motors are it." And uh, so it's so exciting to see. Just a couple of years later, we have a whole new class of motors that really didn't even exist. Well, the uh, thing that always uh, it bugs me about electric stuff, and the, one of the things that I really love about a combustion engine is that there's so many different variations that you can have. So I guess it's interesting to hear that there's different variations of these electric motors because you have like inline four, V six, rotary <laughs> engines, and all these different ways of doing it. And when you look at like a an electric engine, you're like, oh, well, that's it's just an electric motor. But there's right. way more to it than that, is what you're saying. Right, right, yeah, absolutely. And there's different, you know, you look at kind of Tesla's approach, they put these motors in that will hit this really high RPM limit, 17,000, and they put really high reduction on them, so they just have gobs of torque at the axle. I mean, mm-hmm. just, you know, and pulled them out, you know, 4,000 plus. Um, so everybody has a different approach. And when you say people, volt them out, is that when you're running them at the max, like, that they're able to do? Is that what that means? Well, max is a tricky word, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it really is because you can do some some stuff, or you can overcurrent. You can kind of, you know, trick some of the uh, overriding uh, architecture that hey, you're not seeing what you think you're seeing. <laughs> Give more current. There's things that you can do with voltage, but ultimately, at the end of the day, you have the, the physical, uh, you know, limits of the materials, right? Right. And you can't overheat motors. You're going to, uh, you know, the, the shaft will start to warp and you've got really high tolerances between the, the rotor and the field. And so there's things that can happen. And, and we've seen it. We've had motor failures for sure. Everybody has. And and so, but that's, you know, a temperature thing. So you kind of have, if you can keep those temperatures down or if you can do these huge currents or huge power outputs for short periods of time, you uh, you can kind of get away with it just through the laws. Is that what kind of launch control is? Is that kind of like they heat everything up and they do it once and that's really all you're supposed to do? Well, not so much that because you're you're really talking about just components, you know, the case of the motor, the field, the copper windings, things like that, right? Um, Our Pikes Peak car, when we raised Pikes Peak in 2012, uh, we had plenty of, of power, plenty of power in the motor that we used. Uh, but we didn't have enough heat dissipation, and we knew going up the hill, uh, even at the short runtime of uh, you know ten, eleven, twelve minutes, we would overheat. So we ran a, we put a second motor in the car and ran a dual motor, just so we had that more surface area in there, and we'd get better heat dissipation. And you know you're going from whatever ambient temperature, uh, so you kind of have that running for you as well when you start your run. You had me at Pikes and Peak. We, Tell me more about this car. Yeah, and, and we just barely made it, right? And, and, and it was really, you know, it was one of these things. We kept turning the power down, turning it down, turning it down. And we ran up the hill. Uh, we got um, first place in our, uh, you know, street legal electric class, which was only one or two cars each year at the time. We ran with the uh, vintage class. 
and we bested the whole entire vintage class. So all the 911s and uh, Cobras, Cudas, Mustangs, uh, all that. It was it was a hoot. It was a ton of fun. We had a complete blast. The car uh, was practically made for that. You know, <laughs> just coming out of a hole at 10 miles an hour, using that torque, going uphill, you know, bring it up to 130, jump on the brakes, bring it down to 10, and uh, do that again. You know, so what kind of a combustion engine car is like that comparative to if you talk about 10, 11 minutes or whatever, what are you kind of competing with in it, in the, in the ice world? Well, um, it, it's tough because they have their own uh, pros and cons, right? They have their own drawbacks and, and benefits to the systems. Obviously the altitude and the lack of oxygen is a huge drawback for anything combustion going up Pikes Peak, but that's not a, a drawback in general for hill climbs. Right. So now we're kind of talking about a specific event. Um, but I think in general, electric cars excel at hill climbs and just shorter runs. You know, we're seeing, um, I mean, when you look, when you look at, uh, what Volkswagen has done with the IDR and the times that they're running, they did the, the hill climb over in China. They've done Pikes Peak and they've done the Nurburgring. And, you know, you've got, let this me ask you this: How that car? How is that car different to, than what you guys are doing? Like, how radical <laughs> is it? The technology there versus some of the stuff that's available. This what, is what, what's so exciting, right? This is how you can get behind this. What they're doing now is what we're is, is going to be readily available to us in the years to come, right? They just have more money. They're on the cutting edge, right? They're literally on the cutting edge of this. But what they're doing is, you know, in, a, in, in the simplest of terms, they're putting more current to their motor and keeping their motor cool for a longer period of time than the other guys. Because the, the, the problem isn't the limit of power that you can get out of these systems. The, the power is almost unlimited if you can keep the components cool. Right. So That's with really, these keeping these components cool, I mean, are we looking at like water cooling technology like you would with, you know, a, a high end PC or what are the sure. real methods to keep these components cool? <laughs> So well, you can put more power, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean anything and everything. When when uh, when we were on the line in 2012 at Pikes Peak, uh, the Yokohama uh, Blue Earth car, this big fancy electric car, they've been running on this big, you know, deep uh, dollared program. They had bags of ice from Seven Eleven draped across. Uh, <laughs> No, I'm serious, right? They were just trying to just cold saturate everything that they could before they started their run uh, because every little bit helps, right? Um, we're working on a, a performance program. Uh, we're working on a land speed car, actually, uh, that we're going to run uh, later next year. And, you know, we're basically going to start off with everything filled with ice water. <laughs> you know, so you do everything that you can uh, to just get that small little advantage uh, because we're talking about really, really high uh, output on electrical components essentially for a short period of time. Sure. So your your yeah. Pike's P car, this was based off of the E36 BMW M3, correct? Correct, yeah. Okay. And so when you mention a land speed car, what is that based off of? Or is this just a complete <laughs> one-off? Yeah. You know, uh, this year, me and a friend, well, uh, 2020 coming up, a uh, longtime friend of mine, uh, Oh, gosh, uh, Roger Hickey from Hickey Speed. We've known each other maybe 25-plus years now. Uh, we're doing a land speed effort this year, and uh, we've been talking about it long enough. <laughs> and so we're, we're pretty deep into the design. We've got a, a chassis and, um, 
you know, there'll be there'll be more coming along, but we're going to be pretty open with it. We're not real secretive here. You know, we, we like to enthuse people. We love to see other people get into the business and help everyone we can get into the business and do what we're doing because there's just so much room and there's so much fun, you know. It's like, water's great. Jump in, everyone. <laughs> right? It really is like that. It's so much fun and there's so many things going on. So, but for guys that are interested in land speed, you know, we're making something reminiscent of a... Um, uh, retro futuristic belly tanker, if you will. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going to go after some old school belly tanker style records on the salt. Uh, August 8th is uh, speed week out at the salt flat. That's Very awesome. Cool. Um, so yeah, if you think about all the electric cars that are being sold right now, there's not very many. So you have like the Volt, the Leaf, the Spark, the, you know, you've got Tesla stuff and obviously the new Porsche stuff doesn't even really count in terms of what my point that I want to make is pretty soon you're going to start seeing this stuff in junkyards. Now, I'm wondering, are you going to be able to, like, you used to be able to go to, to an Eagle Talon and get, like, a <laughs> T3, T4 turbo off the thing, rip it off the junkyard, grab a motor, build this junkyard setup that you could figure out. Kind of Frankenstein, Frankenstein it, together. it together. you know, run some mega oh, squirt yeah. on there. I do mean, it you know, uh, it's when so is much this better than that. It's so much better than that. I just type a part number into eBay, and it comes to me but usually within a week, right? I mean, we live in a whole new era now, and there's, uh, the electric cars are, are cleaner, so a lot of these guys can dismantle them uh, in inventory of the parts, and there's a, there's a parts network already out there. So it really is. Do, do the batteries get recycled? Because that's the biggest cost <laughs> for if you want to do like a custom thing for yourself. The batteries are the are the tough thing, right? It's pretty easy to get a motor. Uh, it's pretty easy to get a motor. It's pretty tough to get a motor running. Uh, that's Why one is of the that? Things, you know, well, you're using the same uh, reason if you just pulled, you know, pick any brand new factory late model car, right, and pull a combustion engine out of it and just get it running. You're talking all the electronics <laughs> you, and oh my, it will be so upset. I don't have wheel oh, sensors, okay. I don't have speed sensors, I don't have steering wheel position sensors, I don't have. I mean, there are so many things that that needs just to run, right? Um, and you know, unless you you know, have factory-based software uh, or just have a ton of time dedicated to can sniffing and trying things and getting it working. It's, wow. it's not worth it financially. So, so can, you take, can you take a Tesla motor, bolt it into the car, and then kind of have this controller that just runs voltage at it? Or does the motor need to talk to the controller, which needs to talk to the batteries, which needs to talk to everything yeah. else? Or can you dumb it yeah. down enough where you can just run it? A little bit of both, right? A little bit of both. Uh, the entry-level systems, you know, the, the cheaper systems nowadays basically do can spoofing of Tesla, you know, firmware. So you're kind of beholden to their limits of what you can do with uh, power and temperatures and, you know, voltage limits and things like that. There's some solutions that are improving that are on the market that are, uh, you know, basically whole motherboard replacements, right? Uh, and these are giving... Uh, the guys a lot more flexibility in what they can do and how they can run the motor and there's you know some rudimentary traction control and uh you know limit you know limiting maps and just there's a whole bunch of really really fun stuff coming uh to these motors you know we're just kind of getting started with it and the solutions are kind of getting more and more refined you know going into their third fourth revisions and just it's it's really a maturing market it's got a ways to go for sure uh, but it's it's one of those things that's got so much promise and it's so exciting it can't be ignored. So when you look at some of these Teslas and the Rimax and stuff like that, they have all the batteries on the floor, right? They're just this, it's like yeah. a skateboard, right? With right. just a bunch of batteries. Right. When you're doing a swap yeah. like you guys do, 
how do you figure out how you're going to get the most range out of the batteries that you have and where you put them? And how does deciding how that all go? How's that come down? Yeah, right. It's always a trade-off, right? You want it, you know, low and you want good range, but you don't want the car to handle terribly, you know, especially because battery weight's going to affect steering and body roll, braking. Um, so we usually have limits and, and, you know, people will say they want a car that gets 200 miles range and tell me well, you can't really do that. Oh, no, no, I want to, you know, I want to do it. Well, you can in theory, but you, you'll probably exceed like the gross vehicle weight rating. Of the, of, the, mm. of the car, of the chassis, you'll probably, uh, if you're just under that and you're in it with a passenger, it'll probably just be not fun to drive, you know? So right now, based on the energy density, all these classic cars, classic 911s, you know, to, to really have fun, your limit's about 150, 160 miles of range. You know, once you get beyond that, you, you're, you're pushing, you know, over maybe 450, 500 pounds of battery weight alone, and that starts to get you know, not, it's not a sports car anymore, right? So when you do a, an EV swap on a classic 911, because that, as you know, is kind of Chris and I, our wheelhouse, are you, are you talking basically if you take the motor, the transmission, the fuel tank out, all that weight, and then are you putting in basically the same amount of weight worth of electronic components, or are these cars going to be heavier when they're EVs regardless? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, yeah, we target the factory weight. We try to target the factory weight displacement as well. Um, but it varies. You know, you can do systems where you have a very small range pack, maybe an 80-mile pack, and you have, say, 220 pounds worth of battery weight in the vehicle. Uh, in the 911s, you know, 901 chassis, we uh, split the battery weight between the rear and the front, and we improve the bias a little bit. I think we end up with 59 rear, 41 front. Uh, so it's improved a little bit over factory, but we still keep it uh, tail heavy because it keeps that characteristic in the car. Because that's what makes it fun. <laughs> I, I think so. Yeah, you know, and uh, we play around with it. In the BMW, we tried to get a perfect uh, 50-50, and we achieved it. It was pretty easy, you know, just moving the battery around a little bit, putting mm -hmm. it there and putting it on the scales. Um, and, uh, you know, it's funny because I feel like the, the RM3 just does not accelerate as fast as these Tesla-based 911s that we do because the rear end just doesn't hook up as much. There's something to having that cantilevered, you know, rear engine weight back there. And the, the Tesla arrangement is rear engine. The, the motor's behind the differential rear mm -hmm. motor, I guess, <laughs> for .9s. Nice. Um, and it just really bites down and just goes, you know, and we're starting to see some of these other cars out there. I know um, our friends, you know, BC uh, over at BC Moto, they just finished a 911 project. They did like a K3 replica car and uh, they've been driving it around and they're just, you know, thrilled with how fast it is and how well it just hooks up. You know? So tell us a little bit about your kit that you make for a 911. What are the components that are included? <laughs> is it something I can do at home or do I need to bring it to you or how does that all work? Well, so it's still very much a work in progress, right? Uh, the engineering, the hard engineering, for the most part, done. We've got a really solid subframe. Uh, we've got all the hard parts, you know, the 930 uh, Porsche axle flanges and adapters to, uh, you know, whatever axle drive you might have. And, um, you know, all of that stuff is really done, right? Um, and then the rest of it's just we're we're working on, you know, basically something that you could do at home, plug and play harnesses and the rest of it. But still at this phase, I think it's still pretty much for your, you, you, you've got to be, 
you know, uh, in the field. You got to know something to do this. Right? What is the IQ to requirement to be able to do? <laughs> well, no. Here, let me let me put it this way. What happens if you ship me this stuff and I get a couple wires crossed? Am I going to blow myself through the garage yeah, ceiling right. or? Well, look, yeah, uh, anybody can do that. I mean, I've seen people do that just trying to jumpstart a car, right? So let's be honest. <laughs> but true. I think I think really what we're trying to get at isn't so much the complexity, but the time. Right. If we can do something here in our shop and get a certain component down and be able to produce that quickly and repeat it enough where we could ship these out and then, you know, in the field, guys can install these kits and they have a lot of these harnesses that are so tedious to do one at a time. Uh, you know, they have that work done for them. I think that, you know, it's going to save a lot of time and make it easy and just kind of advance the whole field. Right. So at what point do you guys start making your own motors and your own controllers and your own battery packs and just move on from Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we played with our own motors a, a little while back and whatnot, but I think we have more fun playing with other people's stuff, really. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it turns out there's just a huge need for for this, just an intermediary. You know, we talked earlier just briefly about the, it's easy to find a motor, but it's tough to make one run. And, uh, you know, I can't understate that enough because people just, you know, they think they get these motors. It's like, oh, there's just power. You just hook up a throttle pedal and this. And like, it's so much more complex than that, right? <laughs> I mean, you're sending, you know, a complex series of, you know, can uh, PIDs on the bus with data values and doing things in a certain series and in a certain cadence, a certain frequency, or they get upset. You know, there's so many complexities to this. Um, and then, you know, even us at the end of the day, I'd say, well, I don't know, uh, maybe 15% of the motors that we get, uh, salvage motors, we can't get them running. You know, something, oh, wow. uh, maybe something uh, let loose in the accident. Most of these were in an accident or, you know, a flood or something like that. Um, so, you know, we pull those aside and, okay, we blew up a diff. We'll pull the diff out of that one, put it in that one. And we've got a pretty good parts bench going on now. I think there's probably like 15 parts motors over there. Um, so, you know, just like anything, we're creating like parts now. And, and um, But what we want to do, what we really want to do is, is send you guys, right, our Shade Tree guys, a motor that they know it runs. Do you, you know, need my address? Yeah. I know it's been running. We've had it hooked up. And uh, and then that just gives you confidence because you can kind of follow those steps and get it running and, and you know, retrofit your old uh, Porsche or whatever you have. So what's this cost? What's the, you know, if I do it myself, what's say, the cost? Sold. And, <laughs> Let's yeah, do and, it. And if you do it for us, what's the difference? And obviously, obviously you guys have a huge lead time with cars that you need to do. Yeah. So if yeah. I need to do it myself, what's the cost if I go on your website right. and click everything I need and have it sent to my house? So if you're going to do, say, a um, the transaxle-based kit, right, uh, you get an adapter plate, you're going to run your flywheel and clutch uh, and hook up a motor through that. And those are fun, but those you really want to do vintage cars with those because they're, they're going to top out, you know, 170 foot-pounds of torque, maybe, you know, 90 kilowatt, 88 kilowatt. Um, and what motor is that? But that system, yeah, that would be like a net gain Hyper 9 or a high-voltage Hyper 9, something along those lines. Okay. You know, and you can even get into, we've done, uh, we did a, a twin AC34, the HP EVS motor, and that was a fantastic system. I think we were pushing like 140 kilowatt, 135 kilowatt in that. Um, 
And those cars are really fun, really lightweight. I mean, you're talking these cars come out on the scales of like 24, 2,500 pounds, right? Um, you can still shift them, downshift, get a little bit of it, you know, motor braking into the turns and stuff. Uh, and that, you're going to spend about $20,000 for all the components and a few options. You know, if you want a, a heater, you know, a little cabin heater and a few little options, you're maybe at about $20,000 uh, for parts on something like that. Now, does that you include know, your batteries as well? Yeah. Yeah, Tesla, okay. that's a repurposed, you know, tested Tesla battery, a BMS, some instrumentation, you know, 25 kilowatt hours, so in a lightweight Porsche and a high efficiency motor, it's, you know, maybe 120 miles of range, something like that. Well, geez, miles. at the cost, uh, yeah. current cost of rebuilt 911 engines, maybe I will be giving you a call here in a bit. <laughs> Well, yeah, some of them, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, and then and then the you know the flip side's like the the Tesla deal, and that's where you get into you know if you've got you know maybe a short nose G50 and uh, you know some other rare engine, you can probably pay for your whole conversion just by selling those. Right? Yeah. So, um, is there any part of you that misses the like, that miss? Because when I drive my car, I love the sound. I love the I love that the way yeah. that the engine peaks and you can feel it come on cam and you can yeah. feel all those different things. Do you miss that at all? Is there is there still a case to be made for those motors? Um, yeah, you know there is. There absolutely is. You, you know, sound disappointed. Said there reluctantly. Is. No, look at look at look look <laughs> look at. This is like everything in life right now. Like we're going to be here for a long time, and we got to figure this out, right? This is up to our generation to figure this out. We're smart, and we got to use our smarts, right? It would be a totally criminal thing to not do this and do this right, right? Because we have roots to the the founding of these cars, the roots of these cars ourselves, right? We were alive when these models came out and things like that, or our fathers were and things were very connected to these cars, right? Um, and, and that's going to get lost in a generation or two. That's true. Right? Um, so, I, you know, uh, yeah, I think it's important to kind of do this and and do it right. Yeah, there's going to be some aspects that you miss, but you know what? There's a ton of other aspects that are so much more positive. Uh, uh, you know, our car guys out there can connect with you. You come back, you rebuild your engine, or maybe do an oil change that weekend, and plugs and wires. You know, maybe regap. Uh, you know, <laughs> distributor timing. It's running great. You go out later that day, and you want to drive it, and you start to get into it, and you really start to you know run it out, and you hesitate a little bit. Because you just know, you know, like there's a limit. You don't want to run it too hard. And uh, it's a weird feeling. You know, I used to get that. Um, and, you know, after working on cars, you just kind of, I just want it to run good like this. I'm not going to run it hard. I'm not going to abuse it. Electric, you can just abuse, man. You can just go out there and be like, I'm going to get, you know, a gallon of milk or whatever I'm getting from the store. Turn the key and just stomp the pedal right and just i'm probably going to devalue my car here it. a little bit but i, I do and absolutely thrash my, <laughs> yeah well, my that's car. good that's good no that's good you drive it the way you should and not everyone does that and some people feel guilty and maybe you thrash it anyways and feel guilty and and even more of a hats off to you for that one right but it hmm. really is fun i mean it, you know guys that follow our instagram or seen some of our videos you know see us out back and just mashing on you know 911s and other cars doing burnouts and stuff like that and that's yeah that's what we do you know uh because these cars can take it 
And uh, it's fun in that way. You know, you're just spending one ball of copper inside of another ball of copper suspended on two bearings. Yeah, <laughs> you're not really hurting much. Yeah, so, yeah. Michael, you brought up a good point about you can actually still shift some of these retrofits, right? And I've always right, wondered this. I've right. seen electric swapped cars with transmissions still in them, the manual trains. And I'm thinking, what is that necessary or is that kind of silly to still have a transmission? So what is the point? Because can't you, in theory, just leave it in, I don't know, third gear, whatever direct drive would be, and drive it like that? Yeah. And, it, you know, you can have it your way, right? Some people like the transmission. Um, they really do. It's the, you know, it's not uh, stepping too far away from the original too quickly, I guess, you know, keeping that there. We had actually um, uh, Dr. Ferdinand Porsche's great-grandson come by the shop last year, uh, Dr. Stefan Pierce, and he drove quite a few different cars here, and we had the Tesla-based one. That there was no transmission at all, and we had the transaxle-based. And he, we had uh, one of the, you know, lower-powered cars that was transaxle-based and really lightweight. Uh, that was his absolute favorite, hands down. And, you know, it was a favorite of ours around the shop. It wasn't the fastest. It wasn't going to win a drag race. Um, but we have uh, the back of the shop. It sits on some canyon roads. And this car was just really, really fun to drive, you know. Um, and there's something to be said for that, you know. It's it's, it's different when you have these, uh, you know, just beastly, beastly 800 horsepower, you know, 13-inch wide tires and all this stuff, those cars are they're scary. You know, they're actually downright scary. You know, and you get these fun little electric, you know, earlys to drive and they're just an absolute blast. Yeah, I bet. So when you're shifting one of those transaxle based cars, I mean, are you actually redlining out the engine on Freer Skier? I mean, do you have to shift then? Yeah. And- Okay. Oh, it's up to you. Yeah. No, I, 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 I actually <laughs> like that concept. So, uh, yeah, no, these are great questions. I love it. So typical red line on a 9-inch motor is around, uh, depending on the voltage, uh, you're going to start losing torque around 5,000 to 6, 7,000 RPM. Okay. Physically, you probably want to shift them before like 7,500. You're just not doing much about that, right? Sure. Um, but you can't do that. You know, you can throw it in there. You can downshift coming into a turn, and uh, the amount of engine braking is called, you know, know, regen or regenerative braking. It's basically uh, the resistance. That's variable. You can actually adjust that. Uh, These these, uh, software packages come where you can go in there as a user and adjust your settings. And some people like a really, really firm braking and they can kind of one pedal drive it off the accelerator pedal. And some people like it to kind of coast and you can switch maps and we'll put a little switch on the dash where you can on the fly kind of go between a downhill map where you have a really strong regen, you know, compression braking, uh, and then you can turn it off with the flip of the switch when you get to the flats. Uh, so it's, it's really, it's fun and it's flexible. And if you're a car guy and you're kind of into this or into, you know, uh, you know, fuel injection mapping or anything like that, uh, electric's just going to be your thing, man. <laughs> so I feel like it's one fun. of the best things about, um, the electric cars is when you drive, when I take my car downtown Minneapolis and drive around, it's absolutely obnoxious, which part of me, <laughs> part of me loves. Yeah. Okay. So I love being loud. Yeah. I love being ostentatious with the car. It drives people crazy. Most people don't like it. It's just too much, it's too loud. But when it comes to affecting change and being able to still drive our cars, 
my car is really bad for that because people see my car <laughs> and they go, oh, that thing's awful. It's loud. It's 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 yeah, rude. No, see, but yeah, with an electric know, car, they're quiet. Yeah, I think you're looking at it the wrong way, right? This is what's so lovely about life and cars, right? Uh, for the guys that don't like electric and don't want to go electric, electric's the best thing in the world. Why? Right? It, gas is finite. We're running out. If you're going to be like, I'm going to be on gas till I die, then you literally want everybody else on something else. Right. And on top of that, if you're really trying to make a statement with, you know, just wrapping out a three, eight, you know, straight pipe, flat six or whatever you want, like it's best if there's no other noise around. So everybody else should be on electric. Yeah, there you go. That's pretty good. (laughs) Right. I mean, there's really nothing to hate on from that standpoint. You know, hate on the guys that are out there hacking up cars and cutting them up to fit sluggish batteries and heavy electrics and giving it a bad name, you know. But the guys, there's a lot of really neat guys out there uh, really doing a design aesthetic and doing pretty things and pushing the boundaries with the drive systems and all-wheel drive. There's things that you can do with electric that you just can't do with combustion. You, know, you can put the motors in weird spots that you can't. And, and so it's a, it's a neat time that should be celebrated, you know, and it's one of these um, uh, in addition to things, you know, no one's coming for the combustion engine. We're just saying, hey, there's another uh, menu item, you know, on the table now, and this is something else that you can do with it. And you look at even the manufacturers like Porsche, what they've done with the 918 and splitting the drivetrain, and then just all of a sudden they own the Nürburgring record, and, uh, you know, just crushing it with the 919s and all. And sorry, 919, I think it's the 918. Uh, but you get the point, right? right? Hybrid drivetrains. It's just amazing what you can do with electric motors. And this is like a first generation project, right? We're just getting started with these things. Imagine where this stuff's going to be a couple of years down the road. Yeah, for sure. I think the only thing that's that's nice, what I was just referring to my previous point with being loud, is that the electric cars don't make anybody angry. You mean, you can drive around right. your car that if you jumped on it and right in front of somebody, you you cover right. them with tire smoke. But it's it's pretty civilized when you want it to be, whereas my car is never <laughs> civilized. It's just a monster all the time. Yeah, yeah. I fear the day my son is going to be 16. He's going to have an all-wheel drive, 1,000-horsepower car, and I cannot hear him sneak it out of the garage. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He doesn't have to push it down <laughs> the street right, like I, I did. Right through it. Yeah, Good right, point. right. <laughs> so if you, of all the cars that you've done, there's got to be a car that you still want to do. What is what is another car that you guys haven't built yet that needs to be built? Just a chassis, something old, new, whatever Gosh. it is. I mean, we get asked this all the time, and it's tough because it's kind of always like our next car in the shop, you know, because, um, you know, we are it, – it's kind of wide open, so we build what we want to build. I think right now our land speed thing has just really got us tickled. We're having a lot of fun. It's a custom chassis. We've got some really, really unique stuff going on with the suspension setup and a few other things that I think people are going to uh, – have fun with um but really gosh um how about jake's new c10 pickup truck that he's going to pick up i would love (laughs) let's do a c10 yeah we're working on a project that's a a really neat uh front engine rear wheel drive uh product that i think people are going to love it's going to be basically well we have it's, it's ls compatible Right, so you can use your LS mount plates, and it'll drop in your C10 or your Mustang or your Camaro project. Um, Jake is—he's, really, he's, you know, he's, I can see his goosebumps standing on end right now. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Tesla based. It'll be fun, you know. Um, but it's—it's it's, these are kind of the last cars. These 
front engine rear wheel drive and they're tough the third member you know the differential in the back is transferring power 90 degrees with the pinion gear and it's not the most efficient you know most of these evs but all the evs set up the motor transverse on the axle so they're just kind of using ring gear mm-hmm. and they don't have to uh transfer the power 90 degrees and lose all that inefficiencies there so and i'm sure it's tough not to blow up every differential that those say. things come across <laughs> as well yeah was, yeah they uh the torque and that pinion gear you know especially that pinion gear <laughs> yeah, yeah better a little go. shelf a little shelf of shame over here that's just it's full of uh strip pinions you know but uh, well where can people yeah. find out more about <laughs> ev west yeah, fantastic. Um, so, you know, we've got some social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, with some pictures of stuff that's kind of going on in the shop and pictures of the projects that we have going on. Our website, unfortunately, is a little boring. It's just products, you know. Um, but typically, it's one of those things that, you know, if you don't have the budget and the time, 20 grand plus, 30 grand, the time, the chassis and everything, um, you know, that's where we engage with people. And you can kind of qualify those, just send us an email and we'll talk about your project and figure out, you know, because you're not going to be able to go to the website and navigate through it and find the system that you want, you know. But if you talk to us for about five minutes of what you want to spend and what your expectations are for the range and for the kind of power that you want um, and you have a budget in mind, uh, you know, we're the guys that can kind of put you into a system that would satisfy that. You should, anyways, you should have right? you should have range so, options like good range, burnouts, and wheelies. Those are the three. Yeah, and ludicrous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, look. The most important thing to understand here is, is this is just such a new frontier. We get people and they're like, "I want 300 miles." Let's just put this in perspective for just a moment, right? The brand new Porsche Taycan, you know, the Mission E Taycan came out, right? These guys have more money than anybody on the planet in automotive. They put a 94-plus kilowatt-hour battery integrated as a stress member into the chassis of this car. And they got an EPA rating of 201 miles. We just talked about that. 200 miles. 200 miles. Repeat that with me. And and we get phone calls and emails from people, and they're like, yeah, man, i got to have at least 350 miles. And you're just like, where are you going? You have to come back to... Well, and I get it. You know, they get part of the story, but not all of it. But they got to do a little bit of research. You know, you don't... Nobody just, you know, goes out and flips a coin and says, okay, I'm going to do a motor swap to this motor. But the electric right now, because it's so hot, you know, it's so trendy and everything. People want to do that. But they got to really do some research because it's not for a lot of people. It's mostly not for most people right now, right? And that's the important thing to understand. Like, if you think this is for you, you're probably in a minority at this point, at this early stage. You right. know? Um, as we move along, again, it's... it's um, well, I think as you see so legal repercussions come down from regulatory agencies and you see uh, just cities that say, well, you can't, you get locked off from driving in certain areas. I think you'll start to see more people looking at it as well, we have to do this. If I still want to be able to drive this car, we're going to have to do it. Yeah. And I'm in a camp too that believes that, but I also believe that we're going to get there through um, just market demand before that because the price is dropping so quickly and the performance, you know, look at the performance of the Model 3, right? And uh, It's not fair. It's not fair. I'm serious. It's (laughs) not fair. It's not fair. It's totally not fair, right? And when that (laughs) battery gets better, imagine the next one, like in five years, right? But look at, uh, what's the the new BMW car, the Mini? Uh, I think they're saying that's going to be a $19,000 car, that brand new one that they're just now pre-booking. You mentioned earlier, there's not that many EVs on the market. I think the current number is like 42 or 43 uh, electrics on the market right now. Mm, Yeah, it's it's, it's starting up pretty fast. Yeah. 
a lot of them just aren't popular. Everybody's talking about Tesla and for, you know, Audi's trying to sell their e-tron SUV and Jaguar has an amazing uh, SUV in the iPace. But yeah. It's just, the name just sounds it. like it's, it's something gorgeous. that gets installed in geriatric patients. It, it, That's the only it, problem. Right. Is it Picasso? <laughs> it really is, right? I don't it's know how so they mess it. It's a gorgeous car. You know, you see them out in the wild. You're like, oh, wow. But uh, um, so, so that's the fun thing, right? It's early on. You look at Formula E, they just announced they're going to try and have a, um, a 30 second charging uh, coming up in, in some future races. And, you know, you're just, everything's just getting better, right? Everything on the market is getting more powerful, it's getting lighter, it's getting faster, it's getting cheaper, <laughs> it's getting smaller. And, uh, and it's going to be like that probably for the next decade or two. Well, that sounds like it's going to be awesome for you, man. I really look forward yeah. to what you guys put yeah. out. And I'm going to follow that. Uh, we'll have to get a hold of you again and see how that um, that land speed record thing goes. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks for taking an interest, too, in the shop. And if you're ever out in Southern California, please come by. You know, we've got uh, – we always have cars in the shop. We've probably got uh, five or six Porsches in the shop right now, and a couple of them are running, so we could take you for a little – drive around the block well we'll, we'll have, have to that. figure that out next time we're out i appreciate yeah. it man thanks for uh thanks cool. for coming on the podcast absolutely thanks guys take, take care, care. bye 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 well that was that was awesome that was rad so i still am a little confused because it's just so much this new stuff that i don't understand but it still sounds like as of right now it's still pretty it's pretty steep. The learning curve might be oh for sure pretty steep. But I think you should put that in your C10. Okay. <laughs> Are you in? Are you in? Sold. You gonna write the check or should I? <laughs> well, you should. I can't. I've got a million dollars with a Porsche body panels. No, to buy. I was so surprised because every time I've seen these EV swaps with a manual trans, I'm like, that's just superfluous and dumb. It is, but if I love it's to something... hear that. Well, I, I love to hear that there is, you can run it through first all the way up to the red line and need to shift. Like you'll feel the power drop off. Right. right. That I like. And the fact that you can, I never thought about engine braking, right? That kind of uh, makes sense. It's not engine braking, but it, it's region. It's, it's, yeah, but it's, it's, well, I guess I haven't driven one, so I don't really know, but nope. the, I've heard that it's not like one foot driving is really bad, but it's nice to know that you can change it. Right. With the map or the tune or whatever that is that you're going to do. Because with the old 911, of course, lift off throttle oversteer is usually the big thing. You could program it where it's that it like yeah. severe. It's like the kill me option. The, <laughs> exactly. the death by car button. Yeah. Yes. I like that. <laughs> so you could put uh, in your truck, you could put a Tesla motor up yep. front and yep. maybe. It'd be the LS, like you said, the LS mounts. Yeah. So it'd be, yeah, longitudinal. Yep. And then go through the drive shaft to the rear, and you'd have to you'd have to get a new rear end though. You'd have to get some man, you would massive blow it up, yeah. drag racing nine inch super strong rear end. And that thing would I could put the batteries in the bed and yeah. just do a false floor over it. Yep. So you wouldn't even know. Yeah, it just would look like it's not very deep. It'd be like right. a, a four yeah. inch drop right yeah, into the fine. bed. <laughs> you can only fine. put four pieces of plywood back there before they start sliding <laughs> yeah, out over exactly. the tailgate. That no, would, but that imagine that thing. It'd just be a burnout machine. So you're thinking about doing an engine swap. How much is it to do like an LS swap? I think you're probably to do it right and to do it well and to have it look like a jewelry box when you open up the hood. Well, why do I want that? Well, you want it to look I nice. I haven't I haven't gone down that road at all, Chris. I bet it's probably eight to ten grand to do a really nice I'm job. I'm sure it is. I'm not talking about going down to the junkyard and pulling an L, L like a iron block motor out of a F one, not an F one fifty. No, that's that not would the right be different. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like it's, <laughs> it's a Silverado and or let's something. Let's be realistic. If we do an engine swap, that's probably what it'd be. You, you're but just gonna, I, yeah, because I don't have that much money to throw at this thing. But 
It sure sounds fun to do, though. Yeah, it does. All right. Well, on that note, guys, we're going to let you go. We hope you learned something. I know I did. And honestly, it's 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 exciting and terrifying all at the same time. <laughs> yeah, Because I, sure. I really, really love, I love my car. I love the way I, it sounds. We know. I love the way it drives. And I know everybody listening feels the same way or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. But I still think it's important. And we kind of touched on it a little bit in the interview. You have to be willing to accept this if you still want to be able to drive your car, especially if you're young, if you're a really young listener, 20, 22, 23 years old, if you still want to be driving a cool car in 30 years, it's probably going to be something that was converted. Mm. It just, I can't imagine that it wouldn't be unless you want to drive out in the middle of nowhere, Utah, which is what I like to do anyway. <laughs> but if you want to, you want to pick up oh, a girl and no, your nine national o- parks will probably be one of the first two to Olam. Think of that. Yeah, it's probably true. You're probably going to not be able to drive in a lot of areas. So this is, if you want to still be able to drive your car and you want to be able to pass driving on to the next generation, this is something that everybody's going to have to embrace. And I'm kind of dig. That's why I had him on. I want everybody to learn about this. We're also, I've been talking to Porsche about having someone from their Formula E team come on the podcast. We can, because as much as we make fun of Formula E, I don't know anything about it. No, I don't either. I don't know anything about it. And neither does anybody I listening like to this podcast. What Michael told us about 30 second charge times. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, that's, there's potential there for that stuff. It's just, Whenever you watch videos of these things doing burnouts, it just sounds like someone taking sandpaper and dragging it across <laughs> something. It doesn't, it's not. Or a hairdryer, just burnouts. Yeah, it just doesn't really. It's the sound of tires scraping on gravel, scraping on asphalt. It's not a good sound. It doesn't move me. But if you're in the car doing the burnout and your, your guts are getting. excited. Yeah, your guts are getting sucked into your eardrums. I mean, that's probably <laughs> a pretty good feeling. So we'll have to see where things go. You know, like like you said, it's a very exciting time. Yeah, you know, there's a like lot it. of changes that are going to be happening in the next 10 years. For sure. And there's a lot of things that are going to be moving. So anyway, that's it, guys. We will see you. This what's That's like a little bonus episode of the podcast because we said we were going to quit like five minutes ago and then we didn't. So all those people <laughs> turned off the podcast. They didn't get to hear any of this. Oh, uh, I guess not. All right, guys, head over to iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. Hop on to patreon.com slash overcrest for exclusive content. Support the show. Support the show. It's only five bucks. We will see you guys. Do we know who's going to be on next Friday? No. I think I think I do, but I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> on that note. On that note. Take, take care. care, guys. We'll see you around. We'll be right back.